Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Okay, everybody, happy Friday. Right away off the bat, I just wanted to go through my list of current Patreon subscribers to thank them for sustaining this show. If you aren't a sustaining member of the Push Diaries podcast, please consider pledging an amount and giving monetarily. You can head to www.patreon.com forward slash Push Diaries podcast to become a supporter of this show. I hope you've been enjoying this content and will continue coming back and listening to more. Please feel free to review the podcast on iTunes so that more people can discover my show. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for sharing to a friend or family member. Okay, so first up, I wanted to thank Kurt Etherington for his official Patreon pledging every month. I wanted to also thank Cindy Galley, Sharon Tolls, Colin Zimmerman, Rory Styler, Jennifer Budrow, Carl Hip, Becca Bruning, Jackie Tilly, Cheryl Kershaw, Sharon Tolls, and Jim Childs. Again, without your support, I would not be able to do this show. So thank you guys so much. I find a lot of meaning in interviewing all of my guests and completing research while having important conversations to help all of us overcome difficult times. I just wanted to clarify as well, I had said in an episode a while back that I was hoping on interviewing at least 25 people a year that could then bring inspiring messages to my listeners. I had made a comment about how each network that belongs to every one of my guests is also a network that I'll be able to reach or access because of their interview. And I just simply mean that Together we can reach more people, and together we can bring more stories of hope and resilience. I in no way mean to exploit or steal some type of access that my guests have had in the past or are currently sustaining right now. I just simply mean that the more ears that hear these messages, the more love that will be shared with everyone. I know that a lot of listeners know me personally, or if you don't, You're learning more and more about me on every episode, and I would never intend to make anyone feel like my intention of doing this podcast is to get my own fame or fortune. Really, truly, this podcast and all the intentions around it are fully focused on bringing good news, healing, overcoming, and stories of light and grace into your lives. Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you so much for all of your feedback and I hope you continue to listen. Without further ado, let's jump into episode 39, Cognitive Distortions, part two, with Carmen Berzinski. Is it all about me, or is it all about you? The way you treat people or people treat you can be a defining way in which we view the world. We all look through a lens that may not be entirely factual. Challenge yourself a bit by listening to this episode and explore the ways in which you may be distorting your thoughts. Be sure to head back and listen to part one. Self-reflection on all of these issues is an important part of overcoming. This episode is meant to bring enlightenment on this journey we call life and improve your relationships. 
To learn more about cognitive distortions, check out the following webpage at psychcentral.com that I have posted on the website with this episode. You can find this at www.pushdiariespodcast.com forward slash episodes. Just click on the episode number and you can see any link that we've discussed in the episodes. I hope you have a happy, happy Friday and an awesome weekend. Please don't forget that I want to hear your story. Please consider contacting me and sharing your story of resilience. We have a big following, over 20,000 listeners. You never know who you could inspire during their darkest days. The list of subscribers grows every week, and I want to remind the listeners to always check on their happy friends. You never know what someone could be going through. Come along with me, and then check back soon for more content. Please review my show on iTunes so more people can find it. And again, please consider becoming a sustaining member of this show if you have been enjoying it. Every penny is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. I hope you've been enjoying these conversations, and I can't wait to bring you more. Peace until next time. I'm your host, Tess. Without further ado, here's Carmen. Okay, Carmen, I'm recording, and I'm going to hold the phone up to my speaker so that it can hear you. Okay. And I have everything ready to go, so we can start. Hey, everybody, I've got Carmen, my wonderful therapist, on the podcast again today to finish up our cognitive distortions, and it looks like there's 15, so... I misspoke there. It's not 8, 9, 10. It's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, and 15. So we will start with the fallacy of fairness. And the fallacy of fairness, a person feels resentful because they think that they know what is fair, but other people won't agree with them. As our parents tell us, when we're growing up and something doesn't go our way, life isn't always fair. People who go through life applying a measuring ruler against every situation judging its fairness will often feel resentful, angry, and even hopelessness because of it. Because life isn't fair, things will not always work out in a person's favor even when they should. Yeah. This makes me think of how people grieve. Like, Uh sometimes people go through an angry anger stage or an angry stage of grief because they say like well it's just not fair and I'm still upset about that and it's not very productive though right like right the fallacy of fairness is like a, a, an easy slippery slope into like victim mentality that makes sense when I say that of like woe is me you know kind of get stuck in that you know uh, this isn't to say that that things that like justice, right? Like, like we need to talk about the other side of it too. Like fairness, right? And things being fair, like we can get caught up in that. And those are the ones that can kind of get us maybe more angry, even just because you know there's no resolution. Kind of gets you back to the place that you were before whatever happened that was unfair happened. Right, right. And like you're saying, certainly there are times when people are upset about fairness, um, and that is totally understandable. Like, 
with the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement this past year that really kind of exploded and people were really paying attention to inequality and all of that. Like, that's obviously not a distortion. That's something we understand, but yes. Right, and, and we continue to work on and work through and understand and acknowledge and move forward with and, you know, that sort of stuff. Sure. Not to say that when things happen that aren't fair, that there shouldn't be consequences or that we should just learn how to accept it or move on from it. No, that's not what we're talking about here. This yeah. This is the, like, distortion that keeps us stuck in a place of rumination, maybe, like sure. where we think about things, um, or... You know, if someone misunderstands us and we get kind of caught up in that, but, you know, like being right now, like in a pandemic, like this isn't fair. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we, like, if we get caught up in that distortion of like, this should be more fair, even vaccine rollout, I get caught up in that myself, you know, this sort of thing. Um, it's, it doesn't do us any benefit. To what worry about if it's fair or if it's not fair, right? Like, like if if something has like, how do we move forward, right? Like, like I don't know how they're doing it where you are, but where I am, you know, um, people with comorbidity, even though the CDC says that people are over sixty-five and people with comorbidity should be getting vaccinated right now, the state that I live in chooses only the people sixty-five and older. Yeah. Instead of like myself, like immune compromised people, right? Right. And so I can get, I can get, like, I, uh, when I get angry, it motivates me, like, well, how do I find the solution? Who's making those decisions, right? Like, it's not to say that we shouldn't go and try and figure that out, but if all we do is hit the dead ends and, like, it's just like, this is, like, I can't go change, you know, Tony, Tony Evers mind because I live in Wisconsin, right? Like, I can't go change his mind. And he's not the one that makes the decision anyway. Right. So if I'm going to get caught up in if it's fair or not, it's not fair in my opinion. Right. But yeah. But at the same time, it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And if I keep thinking about that, I'm just going to keep making myself sick. Right. 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 So. And it's hard to. Someone angry. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard to because it's like every human deserves to be vaccinated or kept safe, I should say at least, because some people might yeah. not want to be vaccinated. But yeah, I totally understand and get what you're saying. Yeah, you don't want to lose your cool about that because there's really nothing you can do about it right now. Um, no, but it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sure try and figure out if there is something I can do. Right. Rather than staying stuck feeling like a victim, I'm going to see if there is anything I can do once I learn what I can and cannot do, then sure. I can work on my acceptance. Sure. Like, that's not being stuck in a distortion. That's, you know, providing motivation or action. Yeah. So that's how I get myself out of it. Sure. Okay. Well, very good. But that doesn't mean, right, that we can't have the feeling of resentful, angry, but remember, feelings are facts. Right. Right. Yeah. That's very true. That and sometimes they, yep, sometimes they really yeah. feel like fact. Like, it really feels... Like, it's the truth, but that's why it's a distortion, because it's a lens we're looking through that really will not get us to any place of growth. Um, Okay, number nine. 
Oh, thank you. Number nine, well, with your help, I've got it, is blaming. When a person engages in blaming, they hold other people responsible for their emotional pain. They may also take the opposite track and instead blame themselves for every problem, even those clearly outside of their control. For example, stop making me feel bad about myself. Nobody can make us feel any particular way. Only we have control over our own emotions and emotional reactions. This is a big one. I feel like a lot of people have an issue yep, with this. this is a big one. Yep, this is a big one. So that last statement is always fun to grapple with. Yeah. Nobody can make us feel any particular way. We only have control over our own emotions and emotional reactions. That's fun to grapple with. Right. And an interesting challenge because, to try to yeah. not let people get the best of us and really push back against those insecurities, assumptions, or expectations that maybe are or aren't there and really trying to communicate about what people mean before you lose your cool about it. Right. And also not gossiping. What do you think about this one? Well, I, you know, there's a, that statement, nobody can make us feel any particular way, right? Can have some, people can uh, twist it or distort it or filter that, right? Like, um, well, uh, like when it says nobody can make us feel particular way, only we have control over our own emotions and emotional reactions, right? Like, that right there statement takes us out of victim mode when we feel wrong. What's harder to grapple with this, I feel like, like in my experience or like when I work with people, the hardest part about grappling with that is that when you have been hurt, right, when you've been legitimately harmed or hurt, this isn't what we're talking about. I just have to put that disclaimer in there. Yeah, no, that's good. I feel like that's good that you are because certainly we're not saying people shouldn't be held accountable if they are in the wrong. And if they did do something that is really hurtful, that's okay to say that. But I think gossip is... Where I have power. Right. Yeah. Where I have the power, though, is in how I react emotionally to being harmed or hurt. Right? Sure. And that doesn't... And even that, like, my mind goes to, well, when people think, you know, well, maybe they shouldn't cry or, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not that. Like, we need to have our feelings. Yes. But, but we, we, we can't, you know, avoiding them and shoving them off or not having them, um, and having a re, you know, you know, response to our emotions. We have to move through them or they stay stuck, essentially. Right? Right. And that's when, you know, when they've compounded, not coping emotionally with things. You know, that's when they come on sideways, like anxiety and panic and anger, you know, anger, anger is a valid emotion, but also it's a reaction, right? So, like, blaming, you know, like holding people accountable when they've actually done harm or, you know, made mistakes is, is not what we're talking about here. So all we're talking about is when we kind of get caught up or we go down the rabbit hole of, like, we're walking, you know, um, like my husband and I, we were, when we were walking our dogs, um, someone, we were walking down the middle of the road because it's wet out, right? So it's dry and we don't want our dogs to go gross. 
So someone came around the corner and they didn't have their blinker on and kind of gave us a look. You know, like, yeah, you know. And uh, my husband got irritated and was like, well, if you would have turned your fucking blinker on, maybe I would have moved. Right. Like, like, it's all of a sudden so, like, offensive, you know, like everywhere. Like, you idiot for not moving out of my way. You idiot for not putting on the blinker and there's the blink. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. People in their stinking road rage. It's irritating. I feel like yeah. I feel like when I see a stranger blame like that, in that instance I would I would I would have said the same thing your husband did. Put on your flippin' blinker then, you piece of poop. If you don't want me to be walking here where I'm supposed to be walking. <laughs> yeah, I totally right. get that. That's a great example. But emotional reactions, so that's where we have our power. You know, instead, <laughs> I'm not superior in any way or anything, but like, like when that happened, like I was just like, whatever. Right? Well, good for you. I was my day. Yeah, because you know? like, the last thing you guys needed was weapon, for like, you to be pissed too, you know? <laughs> oh. I was just like, whatever, move on with my day. I'm not going to let that emotionally affect me, you know? Big deal. Right. Okay. Number 10. This is one that I had to work through for a while. I remember one of the first things that you taught me was like, quit shooting all over yourself. So number 10 is shoulds. Should statements. I should pick up after myself more appear as a list of ironclad rules about how every person should behave. People who break the rules make a person following these should statements angry. They also feel guilty when they violate their own rules. A person may often believe that they are trying to motivate themselves with shoulds and shouldn'ts as if they have to be punished before they can do anything at all. For example, I really should exercise. I shouldn't be so lazy. Must and oughts are also offenders. The emotional consequence is guilt. When a person directs should statements toward each other, they often feel anger, frustration, and resentment. This makes me think of when people say always or never. You never do this or you always do this. When we talk about ourselves, it's like, oh, I should do this. I should do that. And all of a sudden, you're not enjoying your day because you're yeah making yourself feel horrible, right? Right. All you're doing is getting stuck. It's actually kind of a version of getting stuck in your past. Yeah. Those bad habits of how we think and process, you mean? Yeah. Like, them sh- like thinking of should is always about a past reflection. Like, uh... Like, I should exercise more because I haven't been, right? Right. Like in the past. Right. So it's kind of a way of staying focused on your past. Sure. That makes sense. And, like, not knowing the, you know, like, um, and staying stuck in shit doesn't give us the solution to, like, well, how do I start doing that so that I don't have to be such a rigid rule follower? You know, can I just have, like, how do I... I'm going to exercise because I should, well, how, uh, how am I ever going to get joy out of it? Right. Because elevated emotions are like practicing elevated emotions, like apply for all these distortions, okay? And I, when I'm talking about elevated emotions, I mean things like compassion, gratitude, joy, love, kindness, empathy, you know, like giving, like those 
those are what I would consider elevated emotions. Sure. And when we're when we're practicing, it's almost when we're so stuck in distortion, it's almost like you know we're wired to the negative, so we can like we we know how to feel like shit, right? Practicing compassion or gratitude more than like a minute long is hard sometimes. Like we don't know how to do it. Right? Yeah. Like if I'm grateful and I sit in my gratitude, at some point I start to get uncomfortable because I'm not, my body isn't used to feeling gratitude, you know? Right. Especially when we're struggling with anxiety and depression and past traumatic stuff and, you know, chronic pain and health issues and, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. harder to do. Yeah, it is. It's harder to deal with for sure. And then, like one layer on to that though, before you say whatever you're going to say next, is like, it's easier for you to practice, like for you, Jess, it's easier to practice kindness towards yourself, right? You know me. I'm always like, well, how can you be kinder to yourself? Right. You can practice kindness easier on others than you can towards yourself. I definitely sometimes am nicer to other people than I am to myself. I'm trying to be better about that. And I think, you know, I've used the example of like marijuana use in the past. And sometimes it elevates me. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it puts me in my head and makes me criticize myself. And these cognitive distortions are um, a lot more in my head than they are if I could say meditate or practice being grateful or um, just focusing on the present here and now and being like, wow, I'm so lucky to have food in my fridge and a roof over my head and heat and money in my bank account because so many people don't have that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so emotional reasoning. The distortion of emotional reasoning can be summed up by the statement, if I feel that way, it must be true. Whatever a person is feeling is believed to be true automatically and unconditionally. If a person feels stupid and boring, then they must be stupid and boring. And so you just said it, Carmen. You hit the nail on the head. Emotions aren't fact. They're so strong, and sometimes they feel like fact. This makes me think of divorce, too, or people that just... You know, end a friendship because of some, you know, blow up that happened that really, like, if people can just be calm and talk about it openly, uh, I'm sure sometimes that stuff can be solved, right? Right. Well, there's a, um, a DBT, in DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, there's a skill called wise mind that you teach a person. And the wise mind is, you know, um, if you imagine like a Venn diagram, like three circles, right? You got rational mind and emotional mind on the left and right sides. And then in the middle between that would be a third circle kind of blending emotions with rational mind called wise mind. And this is where wise mind is a really good skill to practice or like work on mastering because when our emotions are so strong, they can, they can really you know, throw out all rations, all reason, right? Like, especially in political climate. Yeah. So there's an example of something that I saw on TV the other day that I thought was 
you know, this is where a lot of that meditation stuff kicks in, too. Like, because emotions, right, like, thoughts are the, like, the way we think and how we talk to ourselves, that's the magnet, right? And then the feelings are, like, how we create reality, like, perceive reality about the way we think. And so, there was this thing on the news the other day with the president of, I can't remember what, basketball team. Um, I can, Raptors, was, um, he's one of the black, he's one of the few black presidents of basketball. And um, his team had won the championship or whatever, and he was going out on the court, so sheriff or something. Um, was there and shoved him back. He wasn't going to let him, like, out on the court or whatever, because I don't know why, but this sheriff ended up down the line suing this guy and said that he broke his jaw and that he beat him up and all this other stuff, but thankfully he was wearing a body cam, and the body cam showed him antagonizing the president of the basketball team. But why I tell you that is in this part is because that president, that guy, very intelligent, I mean, got his stuff together, you know, uh, he even admitted, like, because this, this guy was saying this about me and because all these people were like, he did this, this, whatever, like, I started to wonder if I did. Yeah. Yeah. It, because of his emotional experience towards yeah, it, you know? Yeah. And then that makes me, too, thinking of, like, and I'm going down a rabbit hole, but, like, the Central Park Five. But, yeah, these young boys are interrogated about murdering or raping some woman, and they started to make comments about believing they did it because it was so traumatic. And it was a distortion that they were even willing to believe about themselves. So it's pretty messed up, but you're right. Our emotions can really be so much stronger than we realize and it's something that should empower us not make us feel bad but it is important to understand these distortions because you wouldn't want to be caught in a position like that like that's awful that that Uh poor man thought like oh gosh maybe maybe I was acting out like was I you know Yeah, yeah that's horrible yeah yeah so emotional reasoning like, he went into emotional reasoning, you know? Yeah. Okay. In the fallacy of change, a person expects that other people will change to speak them if they just pressure or cajole them enough. A person needs to change people because their hopes for success and happiness seem to depend entirely on them. So this distortion is often found in thinking around relationships. For example, a girlfriend who tries to get her boyfriend to improve his appearance and manners in the belief that this boyfriend is perfect in every other way will make them happy if he only changed these few minor things. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it, it's not. Right. But that's where it's like, you know, if, I don't know, if, if so-and-so would just stop worrying um, all the time, that's not a good example because, I mean, that's pretty valid. Um, well, let's use my sister and I for an example. You know, she and I both okay. feel like each other needs to change, not ourselves. And sometimes that gets she and I into arguments. 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a good example, but I don't know. Like, obviously, if I yeah. pressure or cajole Linnea too much about something, she's going to shut down and isn't going to want to talk to me about it and vice versa. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, you. what were you going to say? This one is tricky. Like, in the sense of, like... You know, if I were to use examples, someone who struggles with anxiety, right? Well, if somebody actually, like, works on and heals some of their, like, underlying causes of their anxiety or copes in such a way that it reduces their anxiety, right, their, their life will be better, right? So, it's not like we're talking about how, like, it's about that ownership again. It's kind of like about like where I find my power is being able to own my own parts in a relationship rather than projecting if this person only changed this, then my life would be better. Our life would be better if they changed this. Right? Right. So it, it's, it's more about the projecting part of it rather than, you know, like valid aspects of like breakdowns in communication between couples or friendships or work-related situations, you know, there are valid changes, right? Like, we're not, you know, things that people can do to improve their life. Right. So we don't, you know, with all of these, my brain always wants to make sure that I cover the black or white people thinking. Yeah. Like the black or white thinkers, like, where we go to extremes, right? So... Any of these can be, we can distort them. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's the, you know, polarized thinking like kind of bleeds into all these places sometimes because our brain, our mind tries to grapple with, with extreme. Like we don't, you know, it's harder to like learn the gray. And so with the fallacy of change, now what they're talking about is, you know, if I feel like I'm the solution exists outside of me and it's not something that I need to participate in, right? Then I might want to look at this lens and say to myself, am I caught up in this distortion? Yeah. And, you know, when we think about relationships too, it's like, what relationship do we know? I mean, I don't know any relationship that actually successfully, like, when someone was just constantly badgering the other person to be different or change, like, the people we fall in love with are generally going to be unchanged. Like you're saying, communication can be improved, but we can't assume that people are just going to change. It's not going to happen. Like, we have to love people where they're at, and, and we have to love where we're at, too, right? Like... And being able to pull yeah. out these distortions, so. Right. All right, yeah. that's a good one. What about global labeling? This looks like a long one. Do you wanna Do you wanna read this one too, yeah. or read what you think is important? Mislabeling, right? It can be called mislabeling, where you generalize one or two qualities into a negative judgment about yourself or another person. So this is like an extreme form of overgeneralizing. And I think that was covered. I think we covered that earlier over generalizing. Instead of describing an error in context of a specific person, a, a person will attach unhealthy universal labels to themselves or others. Like, I'm a loser, right? When they failed a specific task. Sure. When someone else's behavior rubs them the wrong way without bothering to understand any context around why, they might say, well, he's such a real jerk. Yeah. 
So this is where assumptions kick in. Um, mislabeling involves um, describing an event with language that's highly colored and emotionally loaded. Like instead of seeing someone drop, saying someone drops her child off at a daycare every day, a person who is mislabeling might say she abandons her children to strangers. Like do you see how dramatic that can shift? Yeah, so dramatic. Very yeah. dramatic. And assumptions and um, all kinds of things can get in here. You know, this is different than overgeneralization. We did cover that, number three. Yeah. Um, yeah, this makes me think of, like, an angry mother-in-law who thinks yeah. her daughter-in-law is, you know, yes. Oh, she's letting my grandbabies be with strangers instead of me, you know, it's just like really mm-hmm. like that is yeah. super dramatic. And again, right. assuming I feel like keeps getting people into trouble, like assuming and thinking emotions are fact, it does you no good. Huh. Uh okay, these last two look like fun. Fourteen and fifteen. Always being yeah. right is fourteen and fifteen yeah. is heaven's reward fallacy. So 14. When a person engages in this distortion, they are continually putting other people on trial to prove that their own opinions and actions are the absolute correct ones. To a person engaging in always being right, being wrong is unthinkable. They will go to any length to demonstrate their rightness. This just makes me think of the political year we had in 2020 Uh as well. The black and white thinking where it's like all or none. Um, emotional thinking, right? Don't you think of that too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I got a good example right here. Okay, if I share it now. Oh, please do. Okay. Uh, I just saw the uh, Ron Johnson, Senator of Wisconsin, something the other day that was quite interesting in my opinion. Good. Um, do it, girl. <laughs> he said that he didn't think that the January 6th insurrection looked like an insurrection, that it was um, jovial, and these people were, and, and that's fine, I'm sure, like, some of the people that were there were. Right, but then other people got shot. Yep. Right, not everybody followed suit, right? So let's, let's pick out the pieces to make it so that we paint the narrative that we're right. So then he went on to try and say that it was um, Black Lives Matter people and Antifa people disguising themselves as Trump supporters to Right thing. I mean, these are these all could be dangerous, but 
politically, that's why it is so ugly because people just get so caught up in having to always be right. And I even, you know, I've had friends last year that, again, using the Black Lives Matter thing as an example, it's like, you can't say you're right. Like, you're white. You have no idea what it's like to be black. If if you want to be right, you need to have conversations with black friends and family that know what it's like to be black, you know? I And, and well, me right. being a white woman, I'll still never know what it's like. The window, though. Right, but being right about that, it goes out the window. Right, right because right. you're literally not black. Is that what you mean? Right, like this is a distortion, right, where... Like, right. Like people who believe they're always right, that is a distortion. Right. Like, like instead of um, instead of it being like, you know, because uh, someone and I haven't followed up on this, so I don't have like any part of this to share. But That's like, okay. I saw something on social media somewhere, something about if all your friends are white, then you're racist. And um, the person who said that was talking about something called an affinity bias. Um, so, like, they were using infinity bias as their justification. I was like, well, you know, I like to remain open. Um, so, help me understand, you know, why you say infinity bias. Because what infinity bias is, and it fits here, is it's the, it's the unconscious tendency to get along with other people who are like us. So... It can be it, it's it, it can be a similarity bias, right? So like that share interests, experiences, and backgrounds. It's called an affinity bias. And so, what are biases, right? Biases are sort of like judgments or like stances that you have on a particular subject. Sometimes, like being a therapist, like we're challenged to work and work through a lot of our biases so that we can be this non-judgmental place, right, instead of having these assertions or assumptions about things. So why that fits here and the always being right when a person tells, they didn't tell me specifically, but I was like, well, I mean, I only have like three friends. So at the same time, like I get what you're saying to me. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to expose myself to things that are outside of my comfort level. Sure. Right? Sure. So that makes sense there, but you know, like QAnon stuff, right? Like they twist all of that, like right now. Like, yeah. That is one big, QAnon is just one big cognitive distortion yeah. in general. But it's a, it's a slippery slope to get caught up in. Yes, it is. It's funny that, like, all these distortions... Someone could literally write a paper on just politics around all these distortions. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people... Absolutely. I mean, even just with number 15, like, the separation of church and state, like, this is why people want separation from church and state, because... E- well, I shouldn't even say, because I, I don't even know what this last one is necessarily, but you get tied up in dangerous things when you think it's only your way or uh-huh. or there's no other way possible. It's like, no, there's 
we we live in such a diverse world with so many different beliefs and if yeah. you just think that yours is right you're closing yourself off to so much knowledge. So even if people don't think like, Hey, I don't have issues in my relationships. I don't have issues with distortions. Read through these and we'll post this article and these links on our page with the show notes after we go through 15 too, but go back and look through it. Cause like Carmen, when you sent me these, I was really surprised at how many of these I had an example for in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it helped. Yeah, Yeah, it helped me realize, too, unhealthy relationships I have and where maybe I'm dependent on people that have some of these distortions and why I have been so unhappy. So um, it's it's hopefully freeing to people, and that's why you and I wanted to share it. And, again, I'm so appreciative of you taking time helping me break these down because... A lot of people don't have the education or the support, and I hope if that's the person listening now and they stumble on this, it can be helpful. So, um, yeah, yeah. what about 15? Can you read that one? The final one is heaven's reward fallacy. It's the false belief that a person's sacrifice and self-denial will eventually pay off as if some global force is keeping score. This is a riff on the fallacy of fairness, because in a fair world, the people who work the hardest will get the largest reward. A person who sacrifices and works hard but doesn't experience the expected payoff will usually feel bitter when the reward doesn't come. Yeah, it's like feeling like you have some sort of... Like the world owes you something and then it never comes, yeah. so you're distorted uh-huh. and in your reactions around that goodwill. It's like, for me, as a Christian, or if you're not a Christian and you do a good deed, you know, you mow your neighbor's lawn, or you lend someone money. Like, I've heard people say, if you lend someone money, don't expect them to give it back like be okay with the possibility that they might not give you back your two hundred dollars because it's a way to protect yourself if if you and they should pay us back but you know what i'm getting at right like i do and it's less about actually a way to protect yourself and more just about like like expectation right i expect to have a lifetime full of health because, oh, yeah, Yeah. expectations absolutely hurt us, especially when, again, it's only what we think and what we assume should be the outcome or a reaction to our good deed. And it's just, yeah, can you pray about it? Of course. Can you um, involve a small group or something to do something good with you? Of course you can. But this distortion is just saying don't expect anything in return because you don't always get what you hope for, right? Yeah. I'll give you a good example. So like me, right? It's immune compromised, organ transplanted, blah, blah, blah. I've been living in quarantine since March, right? Good job, Carmen. all the rules, getting my groceries online, getting curbside pickup. Not going in the stores, taking, getting carry out to support my community, 
staying away from people, not inviting anybody into my home. You're I amazing. I haven't held space with another human except my husband since March 13th last year. Holy you cow. Know, blah, blah, blah. Heaven's reward, right? Like, why wasn't I first in line? Right. Yeah, I, I mean. Been first, I followed all the rules. Right. 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 That's well, a perfect I'm example. Like that, all I'm going to do is drink poison and hope somebody else dies because I drank the poison. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. That's a good example. Just, there's no there's no payoff, right? There's no benefit in me getting caught up in that. And that's the whole point of, like, I feel like the link on the bottom of this website, right, that you're, you'll share has the, like, message for how to fix them or how to work on them. And yes. I just wanted to, like, minute synopsis it if I could. Yeah. Okay. So, first, you identify it. So, what I ask people to do is I ask them to, like, when I can hear it, rather than tell them what they're doing, I ask them to go look. Okay? Because me telling them isn't going to help them. I want them to figure it out. So then they look at it, decide what distortion they might be participating in, painting it, right? Sorry, that word couldn't come out right. That's but, all right. So, so step one is to identify the distortion that we're caught up in, right? And then examine the evidence, okay? So examine the evidence. There's a good worksheet that will be on that, like, link to give a person um, and sh there should be a good worksheet for that about being able to examine evidence that they can't. Right? Okay. So examine the evidence of like how it, how you might be valid and how you might not be valid, right? In your distortion, right? Yes. So then the next part, there's other methods, right? So the 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 favorite one I like is about thinking in shades of gray, learning how to undo the polarized thinking is challenging. Okay. But, you know, instead of thinking, like, uh, instead of thinking a lot of problems, you know, in an either-or way, if you can think in shades and gray, it helps us evaluate things on a scale from, like, 1 to 10 or 0 to 100, right? Yeah. Um, like, instead of, like, you can't do anything right, you just blew your diet by eating carbs, right? Blah, 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 right? You might as well. You know, when we get caught up in that, we feel like all the things we've done are lost. But instead, learning how to, like, treat ourselves with kindness, practice ele elevated emotions, and, like, move forward, right? Like, that's my favorite way of helping people sort of work through that. Yeah. Right? So just... A scale. Like a cost-benefit cost analysis is another, like, really good way to be able to look at, like... How will this, how will it help me? If I, you know, as I've asked you before, when, you know, when, when you found yourself caught up in things, so what is the benefit in continuing to think this? What is it doing? How is it helping you? Yeah. Right? So yeah. So when I ask that, that's the start of, like, being able to pull yourself out. Like, that's, you know. Right. That's what we do. Right. So I just wanted to touch on that before we're done to make sure that, you know, like, if nobody's going to look at that or hear that, at least they get, like, identify it. Yes. Try to walk yourself back from it. Try yeah. to think in gray. Look at the pro and cons. 
you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. No, these are great. I knew I had distortions, but, like, it's really helpful to see them broken down and... Um, because we're human. We, everybody struggles with this stuff in one way or another. So Carmen, thank you for taking the time to break it down and go through it all. Um, I know the first couple episodes I did with you, you were very good. I feel like I was a little bit jumbled. So again, if people need a reference or felt confused by any of it, um, they can go click on the link and in the show notes and, and, and look at these articles themselves. So yeah. Sure. If you have any questions, yeah. send them our way because Carmen's very helpful. So thank you, Carmen. You're welcome. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast.com at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast thank you for listening